But I want to read these preceding verses and reach down a little further, starting with verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. When I was young, I used to call that word idolaters. It took me a while to understand that that was not idolaters. That was idolaters. Nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, aren't you thankful for that? But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And that's, that's a pretty heavy passage of Scripture there. And I just want to speak with the Lord's help from this subject tonight. And this may seem a little unusual at first, but uh, just bear with me. I want to talk to us about I don't, therefore I can. I don't, therefore I can. Would you lift up your voice with me again and let's pray together right now that the Spirit of the Lord would anoint, bless, have his way in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we need you. <clears throat> we need your strength, your blessing upon the preaching of your word tonight. I'm praying, God, that your perfect will would be done and that souls would be helped and lives would be changed and impacted by the word of the Lord. I'm praying, God, that you would stir souls in this place, touch hearts, and challenge us to draw closer to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Why don't you clap your hands again to him. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. It's my plan. I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but it is my plan to be brief tonight. I realize we have some festivities following this service. But throughout the Word of God, we see a principle, really from the very beginning, all the way back in the book of Genesis, and I'll bring that out in just a few moments, till you arrive in the book of Revelation, you see this principle that I will call simply going beyond. It seems that the people that God uses are interested in more than just the minimums more than just the basic requirements, more than just the lowest limit or standard that they can find. But they're focused on not necessarily the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots and the must, though they observe them and they're obedient to them, but that's not necessarily what they're focused on. 
they're focused on what it is that God delights in. What is it that God takes pleasure in? What is it that God is attracted to? What is it that God likes? What does he want and desire? There is expectations that God has for each of us. There is, of course, commands in God's word that we must observe. There is certain commands, and we will not take the time to get into all of those details here tonight, of things that we must do to be saved. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I received a revelation of the truth, and it is the truth that the Scripture says that makes us free. Amen. So there's no real true freedom outside of truth, and I'm thankful that I have that revelation. But people that truly seek to be blessed and favored of God and have the hand of God upon them and want to live in that place with Him where every day of your life is is blessed and the hand of God is directing it, are not people that are just looking for the basic requirements. You know, even in our world today, our government has to intervene in setting certain standards that must be followed, especially in the food products and the food industry. There are certain standards and there's inspections and there's certain things that has to be observed. You can't just open up your garage and decide that you're going to serve meals out of it. If you do that for very long, the health inspector is going to be by and he's going to make sure that your kitchen lives up to certain standards. And uh, I'm thankful for those kind of standards in restaurants. I'm thankful for certain government standards that uh, is on products, especially when it comes to relating to our health. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And God, I understand, has certain things that he requires of us. And just to enter into the kingdom of God, there are certain things that we must do. I feel like I need to sure up this point just a little bit. There is some things that are required of us just to be a part of God's church. You don't just get in this church by saying you want to become a member. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about landmark per se. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church of the living God, the church of the firstborn, the scripture says. You don't get into the church just because you raise your hand and you take a pledge or you sign a membership roll or you shake a preacher's hand or you say a recited prayer. That's not how you enter into the church, but you're born into the church. You don't inherit a place in the church. But you, you have to be born yourself. God has no grandchildren or great-grandchildren. But everybody's a part of the church because they have been born into it. You have to have the same relationship with God that your family members had. You have to have the same commitment. You have to have the same uh, baptism. Baptism in Jesus' name. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I might say that the Holy Ghost is not a spare tire. It's not just an extra blessing. But the Holy Ghost is a requirement. According to the Word of God, it says we must be born again of water and of spirit. And I'm so thankful that I don't see it as an option. And I can't imagine living life without it. 
the Holy Ghost guides me. The Holy Ghost directs me. The Holy Ghost keeps me encouraged. The Holy Ghost keeps me inspired. The Holy Ghost keeps me strengthened. Anybody know what I'm talking about that has the Holy Ghost tonight? If you have the Holy Ghost, you know what it is to be able to overcome in areas of temptation. If you have the Holy Ghost, you know what it is to know the strength that that empowers you that when life turns against you, and it will, and circumstances don't go your way, and they won't, that, that you have the power of God, the Holy Ghost, that though everything may be in shambles, you can still be on top of it. Amen. Praise God. I wonder about people's experience that are always up and down. I know life has ups and downs and hills and valleys and it, it has things that, that oppose us and there's opposition and there's situations that we don't necessarily understand. It's hard for us to grapple with. But I'm just going to tell you tonight that if you have the Holy Ghost, you ought to be able to walk at least uh, on an even keel when it comes to spirituality. And say, you know what? Uh, I have someone that's going to keep me and strengthen me and be there for me. The world may be chaotic, but I can have peace. The world may be sad, but I can have joy. Hallelujah. Do you believe that tonight? Uh, Everything may be topsy-turvy, but I I don't have to get caught up in all of that. Uh, It doesn't matter what Iran does. Uh, Amen. I'm not living for the kingdoms of this world. I'm living for another kingdom. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, Amen. And I have uh, ownership and I have citizenship in that kingdom of the Lord. I may be in this world, but I'm not a part of this world. I need some more monitor, please. And we see examples of what I'm talking about, going beyond, going beyond. Genesis chapter 24, uh, Eliezer was sent by Abraham to to find a bride for Isaac. Isaac, of course, they were living in a land where... Uh, There was not any that was permissible of the belief systems that they were a part of. Did did Abraham want his boy to to marry someone of the world, an idolater, a pagan? And so he he sent Eliezer out. And Eliezer is a type of a lot of things, but he's a servant of the Lord as a type of a servant of the Lord, a minister, as he goes out to find a bride. And uh, as he is traveling, he comes upon a little village in Mesopotamia by the name of Nahor. And there he sees the young maidens come out, and he knows these are prospective brides for his uh, master's son. And he's watching them and observing them very closely as they come to the well as their custom is. And as they come to that well, and, uh, and they, uh, my little bit of study about it, I found that it was kind of like a spring that you had to go down to it several steps. And that's important when you consider this story. And he fastens his eyes upon one young lady by the name of Rebecca. And he, he wonders in his heart, is this the one? And he's looking for the signs of the one that would be worthy to marry or become a wife of his master's son. And so he, he asked of this young lady, Rebecca, he asked her, 
to drink from her pitcher. And she, without any reluctance at all, she gives him to drink. And then she says to him, she says, and I will draw waters for thy camels also. Now you've got to understand the entourage that Eliezer brought with him. I think this journey was some 600 miles and all of the supplies that was that was brought to make the journey with in this very arid land and dry country, desert place. And uh, so there was 10 camels, as uh, far as we can tell from the text, that were a part of this entourage. And if you know anything about camels, you know that they don't have to drink often, but when they do, they drink much. In fact, the most conservative numbers that I could find was that each one of these camels could drink and this is a conservative figure. I found some numbers that were higher than this. 40 gallons of water each. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that 40 gallons times 10 is 400 gallons. A gallon weighing 8 pounds and 3 ounces. This translates into 3,320 pounds of water that was carried by this one young lady. How, how bad, young lady, do you want to get married? Ah, oh, man, I got all the ladies mad at me now. But not only that, as I said, she had to go down these steps and carry this water out and serve these camels until they were uh, satisfied or well drunk. And this was a sign to Eleazar that these or this young lady was qualified because she had the spirit and the attitude of going beyond and not just living up to the minimum and not just going to a certain limit and line and saying that's enough to get by, but her spirit and her attitude was is that I'm willing to go beyond. And we see this also in the New Testament with none other than the example of Jesus Christ because the Bible said in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I'm just giving you a couple of examples because it's all laced throughout the Word of God, but we see him in the garden with his disciples and he separates three of them and carries them a little further in the garden. And the Bible says that he goes a little further about a stone's throw away. He goes beyond and it's there that he totally submits to the perfect will of God and yields his humanity to what what was expected of him to be the sacrifice, that supreme sacrifice, the spotless lamb for the sins of the world. And it would not have happened, it could not have happened had he not been willing in his flesh to go beyond. There's some things that cannot happen. You'll never see some blessings you'll never be able to obtain. There's some areas in your spiritual walk that you'll never be able to walk in. You'll never be invited into except you realize this principle that I'm talking to you about tonight that is going beyond just what is required of me. I don't want to just be a worshiper that goes just what is expected of me. I don't want to be a prayer warrior uh, or a person that in my prayer life just goes to a certain point and says that's far enough 
or that is enough. But God, if there is deeper depths for me uh, to plummet, if there is uh, higher heights for me to reach to, then I want to be willing. Is there anybody that would accept the invitation here tonight? Is there anybody in this house that feels compelled, that says, I don't want to just be a person that is just marking the, the places that I'm expected and the things that I'm expected to do, but I want to be a child of God that lives in abundance. I want to be a child of God that lives with the favor of the Lord upon my life. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? Hallelujah. Because if you've been around long enough, you can learn how to get by. You can learn how to survive. You can learn how to be status quo. You can learn how to fit in. And there's a danger in that. But that's not where you see the glory of the Lord. In fact, the priesthood probably had the most stringent requirements upon them as a group of people of any of the Old Testament. I mean, you read the list. It goes down of all the requirements that was required of him physically as a person. Of course, he had to be born, first of all, into the right tribe, the Levites. And then he was selected from that group. And there was a selection process that would analyze this person even physically. And then there were certain requirements uh, when it came to sacrifices that would be made. And then to be a high priest, even further requirements. And so if a person had the attitude that I'm just, uh, I'm a part of the tribe and I'm just here along for the ride, they would never experience some of the things uh, that the priest who was able to do service before the Lord in the tabernacle or in the temple a little later on, they would never experience those dimensions of God's glory or the high priest that was able at least on one visit a year to enter into the holies of holies. Can you imagine the story that he could tell? He was one lone man in that year that was able to walk into that holy place and experience the glory of the Lord that no person up to that point had ever been able to experience during that time period besides he only on that one day in the year was he allowed to go. He had a story that few could tell and he was able to see and experience things that other people wasn't able to experience. Yes, there was a lot required of him but because he was willing to dedicate himself because he was willing to consecrate himself because he said no to some things he was able to see and experience other things in his life because I don't therefore I can I can enter in to the glory of the Lord I can enter into that place where the spirit of God dwells I can enter into that place where God moves in a way that is spectacular. I want to tell you tonight, if you got the attitude that I just want the basics, if you got the attitude, just give me the minimums. If you got the attitude, I just want the, the minimum requirement. You'll never be able to go there. But if you got the attitude, don't tell me what I got to do. Tell me if I can go beyond that because I want to be blessed. I want to be favored. I want the goodness of God in my life. What are you preaching? I'm preaching to you. It's more than this, the vows and the thou shalt nots. Amen. But 
It's us being willing. It's us being willing to go beyond and say, God, I'm fully dedicated. I'm totally sold out. I'm here. Amen. Dedicated and devoted to you. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Let's worship him. Paul, in this text, he gives us this list, pretty direct list. And if you are a list person, there you go. If you want a checklist, there you are. He said, these, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's there. That's the requirements. You can't be deceived and think you're going to get by, he said. He said, for all you folks that want me to name it, there it is. He said, it's plain. You're not going to be able to come and enter into the If you're a drunkard, you're not going. Hello? I said, if you're a drunkard, you're not going. If you're in mall, you're not going. That's the list. He gives the list. He gives us the requirements. And he says this, but such were some of you. Aren't you thankful that God can still save people from addiction? Aren't you thankful that God can still save people from immorality and make them a good husband and a good wife and a faithful husband and a faithful wife? Aren't you thankful that God can clean people up? Amen. And change and turn people's lives around. Amen. God can transform people. He said, such were some of you that ye are washed, that ye are sanctified, that ye are justified in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What is he talking about? When you went down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism, amen, you became sanctified. You became justified, not through your own power, not through what AA could do for you, not through what some counselor could give you, but you came, became sanctified and justified because you took on the name of Jesus Christ in baptism. And it doesn't stop there. But you got the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, and by the Spirit of our God. That's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you get this Holy Ghost, you get empowerment. When you get this Holy Ghost, you get strength. When you get this Holy Ghost, you get what you need to overcome. You may have been weighted down by the burdens of sin, but no more. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost, if you got it, you ought to thank you for it tonight. Yeah. Woo. Praise God. I'm still happy about the Holy Ghost. I'm still thrilled about the Holy Ghost. I still get excited about the Holy Ghost. Don't understand. Somebody, I really doubt their experience that they can't get exuberant about the Holy Ghost. So, well, I got it back there in 1974. Maybe you ought to get it again. I said, maybe you ought to get renewed in it. Maybe you ought to have a rebirth of the new birth. Maybe you get back and be restored and get revived in the Holy Ghost again. 
just because you talked in tongues 30 years ago, it doesn't mean you still got it. You're walking in a filthy world. You need to be filled up again. You need to be renewed again. You need to talk in tongues again. You need to come down an altar and pray through again. Because when you pray through, you don't want the world or the things of the world. You're not so tempted by the things that are out there. When you get full of the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm going to tell you like Brother Neely used to say years ago. He said, I'm going to get up in your business. Amen. That's one of them one-syllable words there. Business. He used to tell us, he said, I'm a business man. You knew, you knew Brother Neely. Yeah. And he wasn't afraid to get up in your business. Yeah, he'd get right with you, them old beady eyes. One time he loaned me a horse one time to ride, and I loaned it to somebody else on the horse ride because it was a little rough. He said, boy, what are you doing loaning my horse out? He said, I, I loaned you a horse, brought it down here. He said, you ride in on this ride. I said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm just kind of changing up a little bit, you know, getting bored. Anyway, but all right, yes, sir. You the man. You gotta, you gotta, you know, preacher can get up in your business sometimes. And I just about forgot what business I was gonna get up in. <laughs> if I stall long enough, I'll remember. Praise God. Must have been in the flesh. At least I'm willing to admit it. Praise God. A lot of people have found something to get up in. Find a way to get in trouble. Us preachers have a habit of doing that. But I, I'm telling you, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, I'm not talking about just working enough to operate, get by. You know, these son works in cars, and he said, they give him a loaner car. And I said, man, why do you always want to drive around the car that's below a quarter of a tank all the time? I said, man, you're going to get caught out, run out of gas somewhere. He said, well, man, I don't know when they're ever going to sell this thing out from under me. And the last thing I want to do is fill it up with $3 a gallon gas. And then they turn around and sell it. He said, you know, smart thing to do is just put a little in at a time. That may be a smart thing to do if you're a car dealer, but it's not a smart thing to do if you're a saint of God. Just want enough, preacher. Just want enough, Holy Ghost. Just want enough to get by. If I can just slide by the next Wednesday and from Wednesday to Sunday and Sunday to Wednesday, and that's how we live our lives. And we're just on the edge all the time. I want to tell you, when a good storm comes, it'll blow you off that line. It'll blow you over the edge. And you'll find yourself swept away by the storms of life. But if you ever get your feet planted firmly, if you ever get so full of the Holy Ghost, there's no room for anything else. You won't be so tempted by the things that come by in this world. It's so important that you stay so full of the Holy Ghost that there's no room for anything else. That's the problem. That's where carnality enters in. That's where people get tripped up is they, they, got, they got a little bit of room for God, but, but I don't want it to squeeze out my room for everything else. And it's so important that you realize early on that everything else has to fit around this, not this fitting around everything else. 
It's kind of like the professor that took three rocks and put them in a big mouth jar, and he put them in the jar, and he said, uh, is this jar full? And they said, well, sure, it's full. You can't put another rock in there. And then he took some small gravel, and he poured it down. It came around the rocks and settled in. He said, is this jar full? And they said, well, sure, it's full. You can't put any more gravel in it. And then he took some sand and he poured it in and it settled down around the gravel and the rocks. And he said, is this jar full now? He said, there's always, these three rocks are in here and everything else has to settle around that. These are the core things, but there's always a little room for other things here. And uh, the thing is, is that you've got to put the rocks in first. You can't put the gravel and the sand in first. And that's what people get backwards in their life. They try to put everything else in first and then cram God into it. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, God comes before your job. He become, he, he comes before your pocketbook. He come, I know this is not popular preaching in the 21st century, but it's still the book. It's still the truth. And it's still what needs to be preached. The, our relationship with God is more important than our relationship with others. Our relate, come on, your relationship with others would work out a whole lot better if you made your relationship with God first. Your marriage would be a whole lot smoother if you made your relationship with God sure first. Amen. And when you get the rock in there, I'm talking about the rock. Amen. The rock Christ Jesus. When you get that in there, everything settles around that. Amen. And life is a whole lot easier when you do it that way. Hallelujah. And so he says, some things may be lawful for me. And I'm putting it in layman's terms. But they're not expedient for me. I've made plans to climb up Half Dome in Yosemite Park. And they tell me that from where you enter the trailhead, till the, you've got to get permission to do it until you get to the top up there. It's like 26 miles in this straight-up elevation. Switchback trails and this trail that goes up. You know, it would be foolish for me to go in a suit and tie and with my leather-soled shoes on and say, I'm showing up to climb up on Half Dome because I want to see the sights. Amen? Don't you think that'd be kind of crazy? I'd be unprepared. Matter of fact, it would be foolish for me to eat Cheetos from now to then. And never endeavor to prepare myself for it. And say, well, I'll worry about it when it gets here. And that's a lot of people when it comes to the rapture. I'll worry about it when it gets here. But I'm going to tell you, it's coming, baby. And it's coming a lot sooner than you think it is. And when the trumpet sounds, are you going to be ready? It's not going to be one of those deals that you can say, wait just a minute. Let me get ready. Let me get prepared. Let me pack up. Oh, no. It's going to be ready or not. It's going to be, are you prepared or are you unprepared? Amen. It's at that point. There's not going to be a time for choice and decisions to be made. You're going to have to already made your choice. I may have told this story, but I, I remember a man telling about about this, having a walkathon at their church. And this fella, he came up to the walkathon. And uh, they noticed he had some platform shoes on. And uh, slacks, polyester slacks on. And they said, Are you going to walk this walkathon? This thing is like 12 miles. 
Are you going to walk the walkathon? I said, Oh, yeah. He said, I'm not only, the walkathon was down to like the next town. He said, I'm not only going to walk to that town where they were going to be picked up, where the band was going to be waiting on them. He said, I'm going to walk there and I'm going to walk back. That's how committed I am. And he's standing there in his platform shoes. He didn't get a half a mile down the road until he had big blisters hanging off his heels. And somebody had to come pick him up because he was, I'm going to tell you, some things may be lawful, but they're not expedient. You got to be very careful what you pack on this journey. You got to be very careful that you don't allow yourself to become so burdened down by things. There may not be a thing in the world wrong with it, but is it enhancing your relationship with God or is it subtracting from your relationship with God? Is it drawing you closer to the Lord? And that's the way you need to view your relationships and your friendships and who you fellowship with. Are they exalting and helping and adding to me? Or are they encouraging me in my relationship with God? Or are they subtracting from me and taking away from me? I know you don't like to hear this, but if you want to be saved, you got to make up your mind. There's some things that i got to decide now if I'm going to make the whole trip and the whole journey. Amen. It's not, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but it's he that endured to the end, the scripture said. The same shall be saved. I didn't get in this race to quit. I didn't get in this race to get down the last lap and check out. No! I want to be a finisher. I want to go to the end. Does anybody want to finish this race? Come on, does anybody want to finish this race? Why don't you stand with me right now? Lift your hands to the Lord. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Come on, if you buy into this concept, you can not only make it, but you can thrive. I don't want to have a survival mentality when it comes to salvation. I'm not interested in just making it. I don't believe that's God's plan. For a period of time, the people of God, as it was prophesied, were led away into Babylonian captivity. And there was a young man there, you know him, by the name of Daniel. And the pressure was on Daniel and his contemporaries. Babylon was a people that were godless. They didn't understand the practices of the Hebrews. They didn't understand anything about their God. It would have been easy just to cave in to the culture and the things that were around them and the temptations that were there and just settle in and, and do what everybody else was doing. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, in the early stages of the book of Daniel, the first chapter, he said to his servant, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to find among the Israelites and among those that are a part of the king's bloodline or his seed and of the princes I want you to find young men without blemish well favored cunning in knowledge understanding in the sciences people that are educated people that's accomplished I want you to go find them and he, he gave some more qualifications 
And he said, I want you, this is the, the way we're going to do it. We're going we're to give them a special diet. We're going to give them the special leanest king's meat, the best cuts, and the wine from the king's table. And let them eat that for a period of time. And then I want you to make the choice and make the decision. And so Daniel was part of this group and he said, we're not going to eat the king's meat nor drink the king's wine. But he said, just serve us water and pulls from the meat. And for a period of 10 days, he said, put it to the test. Put it to the test and see if this way doesn't work. I want to tell you, a lot of people say, well, that's just too much. You know, that dedicating fully to God, that's just too much. That committing, you guys just go too far. Well, time will tell. I said time will tell a lot of times. People that decided they couldn't dedicate and they couldn't consecrate and it was too much to lay down at the altar, look at their lives ten years from now. Look at their lives and examine where they're at versus the person that said, you know what? I'm going to walk this road. It may not be the easiest road. It may be it may be a little bit more narrow road. There may be some things that confine me in certain areas and dedications that I got to make and areas that I got to commit to that 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 I I could be afforded to do more things if I were on the wide road, but the wide road leads to destruction and the narrow to eternal life. And after 10 days when they examine the men that chose to dedicate themselves before God and refuse to go along with the crowd. When they examined them, the Bible says their countenance was fair and they were goodly to look upon and they stood out. There was something about them that was different from the rest of the group. I'm going to tell you there's nothing wrong with being distinct. If you're dedicated to God, it'll make you distinct. It'll make you different. There's no, nothing wrong with being separated from the world because if you're truly dedicated to God, you will be separated from the world. Time will tell. So Daniel, if you want to be a person that the lions are not interested in consuming you, if you want to be a person when the king comes back the next morning and said, Oh, Daniel, are you alive? He is able to shout back at him and say, Yes, king. Oh, I'm alive. And I'll tell you why. Because the angel of the Lord shut the mouths of these lions. Why was it? Because there was a man that decided early on, I'm going to dedicate. I'm going to consecrate to the Lord. And so when the trouble comes and when the trials prevail, I'm going to be stronger and I am going to have the help of the Lord with me. I'm going to have the blessings of Almighty God. And so I wonder here tonight, is there somebody that will make that choice, make that decision, Lord? I'm consecrating my life to you and dedicating myself fully to you. I want to be a person that is not just a part of the crowd. The Bible tells us not to follow a crowd into folly. I'm not just going to go along to get along. But God help me to be willing to dedicate and stand out for you. 
because I want your blessings more than I want the approval of the world. I want your blessings more than I want anything that I may receive as far as accolades in this world. I want your approval more than I want anything else. Is there anybody as they begin to sing? I wonder if there's anybody that feels that way. And would you come to this altar? Would you come down to this front right now and say, God, I fully dedicate my life to you.